One, two. Oh, I think we're good. Yes. When we say thank you to someone, we are showing gratitude for something that the person has done for us. We are normally saying thank you either because the person has, the, has done something for us because you asked, or perhaps he or she has done something for you completely unexpectedly and voluntarily. Either way, you say thanks after the person has, the, has done something for you, not before. We show our gratitude for something that we have received. However, as Christians, the Bible presents to us a new concept of thanksgiving, a new concept of how we present our thanksgiving to God. The Bible says in Philippians in chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. According to the Bible, we should be thankful to God even before we receive the answers to our prayers. Notice that the Bible says, Notice the word before thanksgiving. It is the word with. Thanksgiving comes with our request to God and not just after the request is granted. We must be thankful to God. We must present our request to God with thanksgiving in what manner? He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. We must present our requests to God with thanksgiving by prayer and supplication. Prayer is a continual, persistent request, something you may be asking the Lord for a long time and you continue to wait patiently for the answer. Supplication is an urgent, personal request when you cry out to God in distress. So either way, whether your request is a daily prayer or the desperate cry of supplication, you must do so with thanksgiving. Knowing this, how would you answer this question? Why will you be thankful to God even before your requests are granted? What would you say? Let me propose to you five reasons why we can be thankful to God even before he answers our prayers. First, I can say that we can be thankful to God before we see the answers to our requests. We can say, I am thankful to God because God is good. I am thankful to God because God is good. The Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles in chapter 16, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because God is good. He is good all the time. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. The Lord Jesus tells us in Matthew in chapter 7 in verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Our thankfulness to God is not based on how he answers our prayers. Because whatever way he will answer, whatever answer we receive, yes, no, or wait, 
It comes to us from his goodness. It comes from the goodness of God for our good. The Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 8, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Everything, whether the answer is yes, no, or wait, everything is working out to, everything is going to work together for good for those who love the Lord. Now, you may say, wait a minute, preacher. I know I can be thankful to God because he is good. But how can I be thankful for the bad things in my life? How can I be thankful for being in financial trouble? How can I be thankful for the problems in my marriage? How can I be thankful for a terminal illness? The answer for us is in the next verse, in verse 29, where the Lord says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. We can be thankful to God no matter the circumstances, because everything is happening for the ultimate good. Everything that the good Lord is allowing to come into your life is happening for the ultimate good which is to make you grow into the image of Christ, to make you more like Christ himself. We must keep that in mind. We must always have this eternal perspective. God is preparing you for life in eternity when you be face to face with him in the perfection of his presence. Don't be confused by those who tell you that you should be living your best life right now. As Vody Bauckham says, the only possible way that you could be living your best life now is if you're going to hell afterwards. Then yes, you are living your best life right now. But if you are a Christian, no, there are many sufferings and difficulties and tribulations in this life. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 in verse 19, if we hope in Christ only for the good things of this life, we are going to be the most miserable people on the face of the earth. But we have an eternal perspective. We glorify the Lord and we are thankful because we know that he is working everything for good with the eternal plan in his mind for us to be brought to perfection in his presence. The Bible tells us in Ephesians in chapter 5, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Always giving thanks to God for all things. For all things? Yes, for all things. Not for the suffering itself, please understand. But knowing that God is allowing whatever it is that he's allowing to happen in your life right now, it is for the ultimate purpose of perfected life in heaven. We can say that we can be thankful to God even before he answers our prayers, not only because God is good, but also I can say I am thankful to God because it is God's will. I am thankful to God because it is God's will. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. Once again, the Bible is clear in telling us that it is the Lord's expectations for us to be thankful to him even before we see the answers to our prayers because that is God's will. That's what he expects us to do, to be thankful to him before he answers our requests. You may know Joni Erickson Tata. She is a Christian author, singer, 
and a radio host. She just turned 74, but since the age of 17, she has been a quadriplegic after she broke her neck in a diving accident. When speaking about thankfulness to God, after being asked how could she be thankful to God and express thanksgiving to God in her life, she said, giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It is a matter of obedience. Giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It is a matter of obedience. Thankfulness to God must be expressed in our lives in obedience to his will. His word is clear. We must always give thanks to God because this is God's will for us. Obedience to God in his, in, in his word to what he tells us to be thankful to him at all times. But we can also say I am thankful to God because he reveals my faith in God. He reveals my faith in God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews in chapter 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When you express your gratitude, when you say thanks to God without seeing your requests being answered, you are showing confidence that God will respond. You are showing confidence by faith that God will respond. And that is the very definition of faith. That is how faith is defined in the Bible. That deep personal conviction that God hears your prayers. You haven't seen the answer yet, but by faith you praise the Lord and you give him thanks. Robert and Mary Moffat, they were missionaries in Southern Africa. For 10 years, this devoted couple, they preached the gospel in Batuana land, which today is the country of Botswana. For 10 years, they were going through the villages, sharing the gospel of Christ. But after 10 years, they did not have one single convert. Finally, the director of their mission board began to question the wisdom of continuing the work there. Once Robert and Mary Moffat, they heard the news, they were devastated because they were sure that the Lord had sent them there. They had been thankful to God for the fruit that they expected to see. They were sure that in due season, the Spirit of God would produce fruit. But two more years passed. Twelve years now since they started, and still no one had professed faith in Christ Jesus. One day, a friend of theirs in England sent them a note saying that he wanted to send them a gift. And he asked them, what is the gift that you would like to receive? And they responded, we want a communion set because we will soon be in need of one. They didn't have anybody confessing Jesus as their Savior. They could have asked anything, but they said, we want a communion set. We are sure that soon we will be in need of it. The Spirit of God honored the faith of that devoted couple. And soon the Spirit of God moved in the hearts of the villagers. And six people came to confess Christ as their Savior. 
Robert and Mary Moffat finally opened the first Christian church in what is today Botswana. With them and six souls, newly new believers confessing Christ as, this, as their Savior. The communion set from England was delayed by mail. But on the very day that they were celebrating the first celebration of the Lord's communion, of the Lord's Supper, the communion set arrived. Thanksgiving to God without seeing the answer is a sure sign of a strong faith in the Lord. We are called to do so. It is God's will and it is an expression of our faith in him. But we can be thankful to God even before seeing the answer because it shows my Christian character. I am thankful to God because it shows my Christian character. The Bible tells us in Ephesians in chapter 5, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk and coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Let your speech be known by others, not by swearing, by filthy words, or by dirty joking, but let your speech be known by others by your constant thanksgiving to God, because that shows and proves and demonstrates your true Christian character. The Lord tells us in Matthew in chapter 12 in verse 34, he says that whatever controls our heart also controls our mouth. If your words are filthy, greater is the filth inside your heart. But if your words speak of thanksgiving to God, greater is the thankfulness inside your heart. That is what the Bible tells us in Colossians in chapter 4, where it says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Not only the Bible, as we saw in Philippians in chapter 4, and we have seen that the Bible is expecting that when we pray to God, we also pray to him with thanksgiving even before we see the results. The Bible says that we should also continue to pray rooted with an attitude of thanksgiving inside the heart. As the Lord said, the mouth speaks of what the heart is full. If you speak thanksgiving to God, it is from the attitude of thanksgiving that you have within. Please understand to say thank you to God when you pray is not some kind of formula for your prayers to be answered. True thanksgiving comes not only through your spoken words, but mainly it is rooted from an attitude of thanksgiving that comes from within, that comes from our heart. And lastly, we can say that perhaps the most obvious reason why we can be thankful to God before we receive the answers to our prayers is this. I am thankful to God because of past answered prayers. Because of past answered prayers. The Bible tells us in Psalm 118, I shall give thanks to you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. I will give thanks to you because you have answered me, God. If the Lord has been faithful to us so far, why would he fail now? If the Lord has given us the greatest blessing of all, which is salvation, why wouldn't the Lord also with salvation given us all other blessings according to his plan for us here in this life? We can say thanks to God in view of all the blessings that the Lord has already given us. 
You may be praying to him. You may be raising a supplication before the Lord and you still have not seen the answer. But you can be thankful to him because he has already answered prayers in your life before. As the Lord, as the Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 8 in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how would he also with him freely give us all things? If he has given us the greatest blessing of all, for which he sent his son to die for us at Calvary's cross, will the Lord detain anything and keep anything and refrain from giving us all that pertains to salvation? Blessed be the Lord because we can say by faith, according to God's will, that we can thank the Lord for all that he has done. He is faithful to us. He will never fail. As you can see, we have many reasons to be thankful to God even before seeing our prayers answered. But now, let us go back to our main text in Philippians in chapter 4, where the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul encouraged everyone in the church to present their requests to God with thanksgiving. But we cannot take his words in a vacuum. What is the immediate context? What was the apostle speaking just before he said that? He said, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. The Bible tells us that instead of being anxious, I should pray and be thankful. The verse speaks to us with the force of a command. I must choose not to be anxious. Instead, I must pray with thanksgiving and the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will guard my heart and fill my mind. This is an amazing command with an amazing promise to those who obey it, centered on thanksgiving to God. An amazing command with an amazing promise. There is much to unpack here. So first, an amazing command. And the command is, be anxious for nothing. The word that Paul used here for anxious is the same word in the original that the Lord used in Matthew in chapter 6 when he says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Whether anxious or worried, in the original Greek, the word is, is the same. And it means to be pulled into two opposite directions, to be distracted. When you are anxious about something, you don't want to keep on thinking about it, but you do. You are distracted. Be anxious for nothing. Do not be worried. Can you obey this command? and stop yourself from being worried or anxious? It is interesting to note that according to recent research studies, 21% of Americans struggle with their mental health. That equates to about 70 million people in this country. And the actual number may be much higher because many do not seek any medical help or they simply cannot find any. And coincidentally, the number one diagnosis for mental illness in America is anxiety disorder. 
followed by depression. Since the Bible says that we must choose as a command, we must choose not to be anxious. Some have suggested that if you are anxious or depressed, you cannot be a Christian. Well, that's a ridiculous statement to make. Because Paul himself said in the same letter to the Philippians that he felt anxious. In Philippians in chapter 2, we read, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. He is distressed because you heard he was ill. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. How could Paul say that he was anxious in chapter 2, and then two chapters later say that if you are anxious, you cannot be a Christian? Of course he didn't. The biblical command for us to choose not to be anxious must be understood as a command for us to believe that God has the power to change our circumstances. I repeat, the biblical command for us to choose not to be anxious must be understood as a command for us to believe that God has the power to change our circumstances. We must do so. We must understand what the Lord is telling us here to do. It is important for us to notice in 1 Peter chapter 5, the Bible says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. No matter how you feel, the Bible says that we should present our request to God and by faith trust that the Lord will take care of it, that the Lord will change your circumstances, place your requests before God. It's not about what you feel, it's about what you believe. It is about having a mind firm on the Lord. It is, a it is about knowing that the Lord cares for you despite your circumstances, despite the feelings within that you may be struggling with. By faith, you can know and trust that the Lord knows what is best for you and he is working everything out for good. You may not know all the reasons for everything that he is allowing to happen in your life, but you can trust and present your requests to God by faith with thanksgiving. It was Corrie ten Boom who once said, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. We should give it all to the Lord by faith with thanksgiving, presenting our request to him, knowing that the Lord knows best and he cares for us. If he cared enough for us to send his one and only son to save our souls, won't the Lord, will the Lord leave the work incomplete? But the Lord is faithful to carry us through. Now that we can understand what the amazing command is, we can rest in an amazing promise. And the amazing promise is this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If I cast all my cares 
anxieties, and worries upon the Lord, we have the promise that we will experience the peace of God. But first, you must understand this. You can never have the peace of God in your life until you have peace with God. The peace of God will never be a reality for you until you have peace with God. Our sins, our actions that are contrary to what God wants, they separate us from God. And until our soul, until your soul is reconciled with God, until you, re you repent of your sins and receive forgiveness for your sins, there can be no way that you can have peace with God. But God, in his mercy, he sent his one and only son to pay the price for the forgiveness of our sins through Christ's suffering and death at a cross. And so today, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you repent of your sins and believe in what Christ did for you, then and only then you can experience peace with God. The Bible tells us in 1 John in chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is the only one who can give you peace with God because he's the only one who can forgive you of all your sins. Christ is your peace. Ephesians 2.14 says he is our peace. And not only that, the Bible says... In Romans in chapter 5, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives us peace. And then, once you are saved by the Lord, once you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you have peace with God, then you can experience the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension. Peace that is beyond understanding. What does that mean? Peace which surpasses all comprehension. It means this. Peace, the peace that we experience does not depend on the answers to your prayers. The peace we will experience does not depend on the answers to our prayers. Because whatever the answer is, whatever is the response to God for our requests, the Bible tells us, now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance, whether the answer came to you as you were expecting or not. The Bible says that the Lord will give you, as you have presented your request to him by faith, with thanksgiving, he will grant you peace in every circumstance. Peace in every circumstance? Yes, that is supernatural peace. Meaning you have a supernatural peace of mind. A supernatural peace of mind. You may have heard of this verse in Isaiah chapter 26 where the Bible says, You keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Notice that perfect peace will come not based on your emotions always being high, 
but on your thoughts always being fixed on him. That is a great difference that we must understand. Your emotions may fluctuate, but your mind must be fixed on the Lord and what he can do for you and in the power of his might. You keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts, whose minds are fixed upon you, Lord. In 1555, Nicholas Ridley was sentenced to be burned alive because of his witness for Christ. On the night before his execution, before he was to suffer that horrific, torturous, excruciating death, his brother offered to spend the night with him inside his prison chamber to be a company to him and to provide any comfort that he could possibly offer. Nicholas Ridley declined his brother's offer, and he said this, I just want to go to bed and catch a good night of sleep. Now, folks, that's supernatural peace. That is a supernatural peace of mind. It is not based on your emotions, but it is based on how fixed your mind, your thoughts are in God. He knew that when morning would soon come, he would then, after his agony, be in the everlasting arms of his Lord. His mind was at peace. His emotions may have fluctuated, as I'm sure they were at times. In the morning, when he and Hugh Latimer were being burned alive, it only took a few moments for Hugh Latimer to burn and pass away from this life. But the way they set up this wood below Nicholas Ridley, the fire only caught his legs. And he began to cry out in agony because the fire was not going up to consume his entire body. And he began to cry out to God to deliver him from that agony. Surely, in his emotions, he experienced agony. Surely, in his emotions, until they put more wood and more fire so that his entire body could be burned, he was in an excruciating torment. But he was the same who by faith had confessed that he had peace of mind. The Bible tells us If you guys could advance this slide, please. The Bible tells us, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice that the peace of God is associated with what you have in your minds. He has no mention about your emotions, about your feelings here. The peace of God, the peace of God will act as a military sentinel to your heart, protecting your heart, guarding your mind. And as I have mentioned to you several times before, it is important for us to be reminded of what the Bible says 
will be the headquarters of our peace that we must have, that we may have with him, the supernatural peace of God in our hearts, in our minds. You probably recall, and I have shared this with you many times, as to what the Bible calls the heart. The heart is your mind, your emotions, and your will. What the Bible calls the heart is the home of your mind, your thinking, your emotions, your feelings, and your will, your decision-making. The Bible tells us in Proverbs in chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard what? Guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. Every decision you make comes from the heart. In the natural world, your mind works with your emotions to tell your will what to do. For example, if you are feeling thirsty, your emotions will influence your mind and you will think, I need to drink something. Your mind, in agreement with your emotions, will tell your will for you to get up and go grab a glass of water. At times, your mind will not be in agreement with your emotions. If you wake up really tired and your emotions want you to stay in bed, but your mind will tell you, no, you need to get up and go to work. Your will will be waiting for the decision that will come either from your mind or from your emotions. Your will is simply a servant, a slave of your mind or your emotions. It expects a decision from one and the other. Whatever wins decides what your will does. If you decide to stay in bed because you're too tired, then your emotions win. If you decide, no, I need to get up and go, then your mind, if you're thinking one. So it is in the spiritual world. Your mind is influenced by the Spirit of God and by your knowledge of the Word of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2 in verse 16 that we have the mind of Christ. Meaning your mind can think as Christ thinks as you grow in the knowledge of the Scriptures. While your emotions, they are influenced by your flesh, by the carnal tendencies of your, of your humanness, by this flesh and blood that is still left, the last portion of salvation that we still have not attained. But we will only attain once we are glorified and we leave this body. But until then, your renewed mind and the spirit wrestles against your flesh and your emotions. That is the reason why Paul tells us in Galatians in chapter 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please, so that your will may not do the things that you please. They are in opposition to one another. Your renewed mind with your emotions that are still linked to your carnal tendencies. This is the struggle that Paul talks about, about the man in Romans 7. That sometimes the good that we want to do, we don't do it. But the bad that we do not want to do, that's what we do. That is the struggle that happens inside our hearts. 
Inside your heart, there is a tug of war. Your spirit-led mind wrestles against your emotions, and the prize is your will. Who controls your will? Your spirit-filled mind or the emotions from the flesh? That is a crucial question for each and every one of us to respond. Because for us as Christians to experience the peace of God, our mind must think according to what God says in His Word. The more your will is guided by your biblical thinking, the more you will experience the peace of God. No wonder the enemy wants you to neglect your time in the study of the Word of God. As the Lord says in Hosea in chapter 4 and verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, for lack of understanding. The Word of God is our sustenance. If we are to experience the supernatural peace of God in our lives, we must grow in the knowledge of the Scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says that we must grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we have been given the mind of Christ and we must apportion more and more of, of the mind of Christ to us by our knowledge of the Scriptures. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. We are to present our request to God and experience the supernatural peace of God with thanksgiving. But notice, the very next verse it says, and let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. It is all dependent on how dedicated you are. The mind that experiences the supernatural peace of God is the mind that is drenched in the word of God. You must have the Word of God as the greatest prize that the Lord has given you in this life for you to grow in your walk, in your spiritual path with Him. Let us never neglect the Word of God because it is directly linked to us experience the supernatural peace of God in our lives. And so there it is. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A fail-proof antidote to anxiety is for us to present our request to God by faith, with thanksgiving, even before we see the answer to our requests. And the peace of God, because our minds are fixed upon Him, and our decisions are not based on our emotions from the flesh, but our decisions are based on the Word of God, the more and more this peace that goes beyond understanding will flood your heart and will flood your mind. We must understand one last thing. Prayer and supplication will one day cease in the presence of God. But thanksgiving will never cease. Thanksgiving is eternal. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 11, And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Prayer and supplication will cease, but thanksgiving will never cease. Can you imagine, oh, how glorious that will be? That moment 
when we are in the presence of God and we can join the saints of all times to glorify the Lord and give him praise, show him our gratitude for all that the Lord has done for us. When we come to that point when all the plan of God for our lives has been realized and we no longer will see death, no longer there will be any sorrow, no longer, no more tears, but we will be perfected in the presence of God with thanksgiving forevermore. Won't you give thanks to the Lord with me right now and join the voices of those who are already in heaven glorifying the Lord for all that he has done. Let us pray. Father, what else is there to say? What more can we say, Lord, than thank you? Than to thank you for all that you have done for us, Father. But yes, we thank you because you are good. And you are good all the time. Where would we be without your grace? Where would we be without your mercy, your salvation upon our lives? Father, we pray that the attitude of our heart, as we read in Colossians 4.2, that the attitude of our heart be an attitude of thanksgiving. That thanksgiving will be not only through our spoken word, but that our hearts will be melting, exhilarated by thanksgiving to you knowing that we can trust in your plan for our lives, knowing that our lives are in your hands, that you are sovereign, and that no matter the disappointments, the trials, the difficulties in this life, you are preparing us for a perfected life with you. Oh, we are so thankful, Father. We are so grateful for who you are and for all that you have done for us. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I I wish you all and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. All I can say is God is good. And all the time, amen, amen, and amen. We thank God that we have a deep spiritual bench. And we know that the word has been continuously preached from this pulpit. And we also know that, unfortunately, there are people that are either listening to this message or are in the audience that they don't know God's peace. I find that sad personally that they don't know. However, I was in that position once as well. The message that we heard this morning was knowing God and his peace. And the message that was given to us this morning was full of the gospel. Full of the gospel. And as was preached this morning regarding the peace of God, one cannot experience that peace if they don't know him. And I thank God that each and every Sunday we give a person an opportunity to know that, to know him, to come and know Christ.
to know God is really to, to love him and to want to be with him and to be with his people. I once saw a sign that said, N-O, peace, no peace. You have no peace because you have no God, N-O. But if you want that peace, you have a K-N-O-W, no God, K-N-O-W, no peace. And I thank God that at some point, someone shared the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with me as we'll do for someone this morning. Because I believe there's no greater thanksgiving on thanksgiving to give real thanksgiving to the one that gave you and me everything. And I mean everything. And speaking of thanks, I do want to thank this congregation for praying for me. I was uh, in tough shape last week. Brother thought he's going to die, but God saw fit that I should live, and I just thank him for that. But we were talking about prayer this morning. Brother Gilson really laid it out very well. And in terms of being able to pray, falling upon Brenda's need to pray. And sometimes there are times in our lives where we really don't know what to pray for. But thanks be to God, the Spirit knows. So we're going to give anyone an opportunity just to come to know Jesus Christ as, as their personal Savior. The simplicity of the gospel is just that. It's simple. Very simple. I thank God for that because I would have missed it. But the simplicity of the gospel is Accepting Christ and what he did for you upon the cross. You believe it. You have faith in what he did for you. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 says, It is a gift. We are saved by faith. It is the gift of God, not of our works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. It's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what you believe. And if you believe in what Christ has done for you at the cross, plus zero, because anytime you add anything to what he did, it ceases to be God's mercy and it ceases to be his grace. Amen? Very simply put, if you actually believe that this morning, no matter how you put it in your heart, but if you say to yourself, God, I believe I have faith in what Christ did for me upon that cross, and I accept him this morning as my Savior, and the Bible tells us that if you believe and you are saved, why? Because you believe because you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart the simplicity of the gospel.
This morning we have, uh, just to switch gears a little bit before we have prayer, there's two things. One, our church is in fact growing. There's two people who are joining our church who wants to become members, and that is uh, Dan and Donna Pacheco. I don't know if they're here today. I know their son was... I'd like for you guys to just to come up so that the congregation can see you and know who you are. They're not new to our church. However, they're coming, they're coming back to our church. We thank God for them. And here they come right now. Now, according to our bylaws, obviously they have to walk before the church for three weeks, not literally, but <laughs> they do have to present themselves before the church. This is Don, Dan and Donna Pacheco. Ah, come on, if you can. Probably had to carry me down, but. I'm quite sure that you, you know these guys. Uh, they, they've been around the church for a bit, about 100 years plus. But we thank God for them. They want to come back to our church and become members once again. And we're going to afford them that opportunity. And, you know, according to our church bylaws, they have to uh, wait three weeks and see if anybody don't like them and all that good stuff. And if they don't, they, they say some stuff. But nevertheless, uh, want to make sure that we do that for them. You can stay put right there for a second. In addition to that, uh, we ha I have another announcement. And that announcement is in regards to cybersecurity. Unfortunately, we live in a day and a time where there are people that want to wreak havoc in the uh, cyber world, so to speak. And uh, I had a conversation with the other elders as well as uh, Brother Joey Shaws, who is a cyber specialist. And uh, some folk decided to impersonate uh, our brother Paul Johnson, requesting uh, or requesting actually some gift certificates, $200 a piece for needing nine or $1,800. If you actually receive that email, it did not come from Grace Gospel Church. Because we know that Paul Johnson never uses the title pastor, never has and never will. And uh, if you received anything such as that, please ignore it and then give Claire DeMono call at the church. We're going to be doing whatever we can to uh, sure up our cyberspace security, if you will as uh, time moves forward. And we want to make sure that we do that simply because uh, the days are evil. We want to be able to do everything that we can possible to make sure that our church is protected. I'm going to give prayer. And before we leave this church, one of the things I want to do is have this church stand and sing a song of thanks. Very simple song. 
Matter of fact, let's do that now. Please stand, everybody. I don't know if you all know this song, but it's pretty simple. It goes like this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. You've been so good to me. You've been so, so good. You've been so good to me. And I just want to thank you, Lord. Here we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. You've been so good to me. You've been so good. You've been so good to me. And I just want to thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I thank God for you. And we're going to end in prayer right now. Okay, let us, let us pray. O oh, our Father and our God, we humbly come before your throne of grace. In mercy, Lord, because you've been you've been so good to us, God. In fact, Lord, I would venture to say that you have been better to us than we have been to ourselves. And let us remember, Father God, that there are times when we need to fall upon our bended knee and give you thanks for all, God, that you've done for us, all that you've done. We can never thank you enough. It'll take an eternity, God, to thank you for all that you've done for us. So we say to you, thank you this morning, God. Oh, God, even the very air that we breathe is to put it upon you. We thank you for this church, God, that opens up his doors to preach and teach your word, to make you known. We thank you, God, for the preaching and the teaching of your word. We thank you, God, for this congregation. We hope and we pray, O oh God, that we may grow in the grace and knowledge of thy son, Jesus Christ, each and every day, that we may become more Christ-like. Teach us, O oh Heavenly Father, what we need to know. 
We give you honor, we give you glory, and we give you praise, which you so rightly deserve. And Lord, we pray for the unsaved, oh God, we pray for the unsaved, that they may come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Keep our hearts and our minds through him, because we do, in fact, as your children, have the mind of Christ. Mold us and make us, O oh Heavenly Father, after, after thy will. Bless us and help us to bless others, O oh God, we pray. As we are dismissed, dismissed this day, O oh God, keep our minds fresh, steadfast, and fixed upon thee. To this end we do pray. In Christ's people said, amen.